At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is My Guys of the Desert with Stormy Bonantoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. We're live from Las Vegas on a Wednesday. Stormy Bonantoni here with you at Circus Sportsbook. My Guys in the Desert and a little bit chilly in here. You know, it's almost 100 degrees outside here in Vegas every single day, but I'm like the only person in the world that everywhere I go still seem to travel with a sweater. We have a really fun show on tap. Can't wait to have Kirk Morrison join the show in just a few minutes. Former NFL veteran, ESPN college football analyst, talks NFL on Sirius XM. Going to get some great insight on college football and NFL with him. Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus, going to join us, as well as Josh Towers, former MLB pitcher. Give us a little October baseball preview. Before we get to everybody, though, it's time, as always, for the five things that you need to know today. Number one, the Bears quarterback situation is still a struggle. I know you're like, Stormy, that's not news. But we do have an update today. Here you go. According to head coach Matt Matt Nagy, the quarterback depth chart remains the same. So QB1, Andy Dalton, QB2, Justin Fields, and then Nick Foles. He will not yet announce a starter for the game this weekend against the Lions. Bears favored by three in that one. Still absurd to me that they're favored over anybody right now. Dalton still dealing with that bone bruise in his knee, uh, an injury that could last one to three weeks. Fields hurt his hand. His x-rays returned back negative. Both of them are practicing today, so hopefully we'll get a little bit more insight on that situation later in the week. It looks like Foles will just continue to be Chilling in the background for a little while. The big stat, though, with the Bears last weekend, Justin Fields, was one net passing yard. The guy was sacked nine times, running for his life. So whether it's skill or scheme, tough situation there with coach and quarterback. Number two, top free agent on the market this this year, cornerback Richard Sherman. Officially signed with defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also had talks with a couple of his former teams, 49ers and Seattle, but Chose Tampa thanks to a recruiting pitch from Tom Brady and the Bucks staff, according to Ian Rappaport. The one-year, $2.25 million deal. Give the Bucks uh, their young and injured back end a little bit of support, a veteran presence. Rob Gronkowski and Giovanni Bernard, by the way, did not practice today. Gronk probably just precautionary after that big hit he took this past weekend. Bernard day-to-day with an MCL sprain. His availability Sunday, TBD. They are, however, getting wide receiver Antonio Brown back from the COVID list. He's expected to be activated tomorrow. So it looks like Brady and Tony Brown will finally get to play together in Gillette Stadium. He's also up there on the prop board, plus 500 to get TB12's record-setting pass. So we shall see. Minus six and a half the Bucks are in Foxborough Sunday. While on the topic of COVID, real quickly also, Seattle tight end Gerald Everett placed on that list today. Number three, Titans wide receiver Julio Jones. His status is up in the air for week four against the Jets this week due to a leg injury. Jones was held out for much of the second half of their game against the Colts last week for, quote, load management. But Ian Rappaport reported today Jones is getting treatment for a leg injury today that he likely suffered week three. Meanwhile, fellow star wideout 
A.J. Brown already dealing with a hamstring injury, so that may cause him to miss a week or two. Titans laying seven on the road against the guys in green. Number four, St. Louis Cardinals have clinched a postseason berth third straight year after collecting their 17th straight win. Franchise record, by the way, beating Cincinnati 6-2. Reds officially now eliminated from contention. The Cards will play in the NL Wild Card now versus either the Dodgers or the Giants. Both of them won last night, so the Giants remain ahead in the NL West by two games. Five games now remaining on that slate. The Cardinals, okay, as of September 10th, their odds to win the World Series were 200 to 1. As of two weeks ago on the 15th, 100 to 1. Now, guys, just 22 to 1, also 25 to 1, depending on where you get it at. But if you liked the cards a couple weeks ago and believed that they were going to go on a run, that bet's looking pretty good. You're, you're liking what you got. More with Josh Towers uh, on the Cardinals and the whole MLB wild card race coming up later on in the hour. And last but certainly not least, number five big news in the sports betting world this morning. DK Sportsbook announced that legal sports betting in Connecticut will begin tomorrow, Thursday, September 30th at its retail sportsbook. Foxwoods Resort Casino statewide mobile betting is expected to launch in early October. So cool to see how much just the, the landscape of sports betting continues to grow. More than half of the U.S. states now have it legalized. So me, my producer Steph and I were joking earlier that if you don't have it in your state, just pop on the highway, cross state lines somewhere. I'm sure they have it. No worries. Really, really excited now, though, to welcome in our first guest of the day, Kirk Morrison, eight-year NFL vet, ESPN college football analyst, Sirius XM NFL radio host, and a member of the LA Rams game day broadcast on ESPN LA. Other than busy, Kirk, how's it going? <laughs> Stormy, great to be with you. Sorry, uh, I have some technical issues. So I can't see my face today, but I will make a return for that, so don't worry. But glad to be with you. Yes, please. We've got to Skype with you, especially since I learned that your Skype name is something along the lines of like Aztec for life or forever Aztec. Our boys at SDSU are doing pretty good, Kirk. Absolutely. We're sitting at 4-0, but yeah, my Skype name. We'll see if I put it out there. Everybody's going to try to request me, but <laughs> I'm always an Aztec. That's what it is. <laughs> there we go. I love that. Yeah, you said it 4-0. Uh, a pair of Pac-12 wins for SDSU, albeit against Arizona and Utah, who we, we expected to be a little bit better than they've shown so far. A bye week this week, so we can stay happy for a while. But it really seems like SDSU and Fresno State are going to battle it out for the West. What, what are you thinking for who's going to be in that Mountain West Conference title game? Yeah, I think uh, the, the team up north from where you're at, they've got something to say about that, too, in Nevada. Mm -hmm. The Wolfpack got a pretty good quarterback in Carson Strong. So I think it's a three-team race right now. San Diego State, obviously, uh, Fresno State, and their quarterback, Jake Hayner. And then I like Carson Strong already, I mentioned, with Nevada. It's going to be tough, right? And, and the Mountain West, you know, it doesn't get a ton of credit, but I really, I really wish it did because there's some good quarterbacks this year, and I think there's some good football teams. And remember, none of these guys are going to be, you know, in this relocation for the Big 12 or the Alliance or the SEC, but I think there's some outstanding football that people have to really pay attention to in the Mountain West. Honestly, that's why I get so frustrated about this, you know, conference realignment and the alliances and everything because I love group of five football you know I'm a huge fan of the Mountain West we see San Diego State there up on the board at plus 800 you also missed it another reason I'm sad that you're not on Skype is you missed the picture we threw up from your Instagram that you posted uh not too long ago just some vintage 
Kirk Morrison for the Aztecs. Um, another team in the Mountain West I wanted to ask you about because, I mean, they're 2-2 two and two right now, but Boise State's still the favorite to win the league at plus 190. So I, I, is Boise State getting a little too much respect here, you think, from odds makers as the class of the league still? No, I don't think so. I think when you look at their two losses, they lost on the road to um, you know Oklahoma State, and then they lost to uh, sort of at, at home UCF, to UCF, yeah, State. yeah, and UCF, yeah, the other losses. So you're talking about and like the, the game against UCF, they, they had a lead going into the you know the final minutes. They just couldn't figure a way to hold on to it. So their two losses are, um, I hate to say, quality losses. <laughs> they weren't losses that you shake your head and say, well, we didn't didn't see that coming. But no, they lost two good football to two good football teams, and I think now when you look at them, um, kind of moving forward, what do they look like with the conference schedule? And I think that's going to be one for a lot of people to take a look at to say, well, how good is this Boise team going to be? I know they still have a game against BYU coming up, mm-hmm. so Boise can be a three-loss team and still be one of the better teams in the Mountain West, if not win the conference, because they still have you know a nice quarterback in Bachmeyer, and they still have uh, that culture that they've set down there in Boise. Yeah, no question. Broncos host Nevada this week. Uh, and then, as you said, that game in Provo, October 9th, I think that one could be pretty telling. I'm excited for it. Let's stay out west, though. In the Pac-12, one of the more interesting games coming up this week are two teams that you've already covered as an analyst this season. Arizona State at UCLA. Bruins laying three and a half. They're, they're only blemish to a good Fresno State team. Jaden Daniels went off this past week. I know it was against Colorado, but still very impressive. What's your read on this Pac-12 matchup? Yeah, I think it's going to be down to the quarterbacks, right? I mean, you think about before the season started, it was really Jaden Daniels was, you know, toward the top of that conference in terms of, uh, you know, how you rank the quarterbacks, followed by uh, Keaton Slovis as well as in that conversation. Now if you've kind of flipped and you've looked at it right now, and you're starting to say, well, what about Dorian Thompson-Robinson? Did we truly forget about him and how good of a quarterback he can be? And he's having a phenomenal year. And I think that right now they have a, a culture that's set. They have a foundation that's being uh, set as well. They run the football well at UCLA. And it's helped out Dorian Thompson-Robinson. has really calmed him down, I think, this year as a passer, where he doesn't have to feel like he has to do everything on his own. He actually has some weapons, some skill position guys that just get the ball in their hands, allow him to allow them to go out there and play. I'm a big Greg Dulcich fan. They're tight end. He's you know one of the better tight ends I think in the all of college football. But then on the other side with Jaden Daniels, he's had some tough struggles with his wide receivers. They've had a case of the drops. Look, they've had a wide receiver draft the last I believe it's now what five or six seasons, something like that, in the NFL. So. They've had that kind of talent at wide receiver, and eventually it's kind of caught up, caught up to them because they don't have that type of go-to player right now. They're going to rely on that run game. So if UCLA is able to stop the run and force Daniels to really have to be a passer to these you know, young receivers, it could be in favor of UCLA. Now, we don't see crowd noise being an issue out there, right? Because I was there for Jaden Daniels' performance at BYU, and they had so many false starts, he could not seem to get over the hump there. We're not going to have that issue, right? UCLA's been having attendance issues. No, uh, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. It's just a little bit different, right? I mean, that's yeah. a, a raucous crowd over at BYU. I mean, anytime you come to a game two and a half hours before it starts to get, uh, practice yelling, that's what it's been like at BYU. I don't think you're going to get the same – uh, kind of thing over at the Rose Bowl. So it'll be a little bit different atmosphere, but you still have to take in some of the elements and some just a, ma- a majestic stadium, as I call it, one of those old, the granddaddy of them all. 
So you got to handle that aspect of it too, because it is sometimes it can be a little bit intimidating. But yeah. Jaden Daniels, I, I think, look, if he finds a way to get it going, um, it could be good. It could be fun. Could be fun indeed. Hey, everybody, make sure that you download the free OddsTrader.com app to compare betting odds from licensed sportsbook, access injury reports, in-game action, and much more at OddsTrader.com. We'll have more with Kirk on the other side, including the game he is on, as well as some NFL talk. Stay with us on My Guys. to my guys in the desert with Stormy Bonantoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN's point spread weekly is out now, and in this edition, we break down Tom Brady's return to New England and his face off with Bill Belichick. Matt Humans focuses on Lane Kiffin's showdown with Saban. Brady Cannon evaluates the week four contest plays, and Adam Burke breaks down situational spots that have the maximum value. These stories and more in this week's edition of Point Spread Weekly. Download it today or go to vcin.com slash subscribe for more information. That's vcin.com slash subscribe as we welcome you back live in Las Vegas at Circus Sportsbook. I'm Stormy Tony On the line, we've got Kirk Morrison, ESPN College football analyst and Serious XM Radio NFL analyst and host. And I wanted to make sure we get to your game of the weekend. I saw you didn't have time on the other <laughs> end. Um, obviously, you're out at UNC this week. Duke making the 10-mile drive down the 15 south to Keenan Memorial Stadium. Heels favored by 19 and a half. That, that felt like a big number on the surface to me, Kirk. What did you think? Yeah, honestly, it does. I mean, it's one of those, I think, games that you got to throw out the numbers and the records, all that stuff throw out the statistics, it's a rivalry game. They're mm-hmm. fighting for the victory bell this weekend. So I, I never, you know, look into what the point spread may be. I never look into all the stuff that people may say because when it comes down to rivalry games, man, I mean, weird things happen. You know, yeah. guys play above what, you know, a lot, a lot of times than they normally do. So I look for it to be a much closer game than some may think. Yeah, throw it out the window, right? This is one of those rivalries that whether you're on the – the grass, the turf, or the hardwood, you hate to lose to those guys. And what we saw last week, too, against Georgia Tate, Georgia State, um, Georgia Tech, oh my goodness gracious, for North Carolina, I, I just I felt like maybe that number in general was too big, regardless of the rivalry, just based on what we've seen from North Carolina. What's your impression of the heels? Well, when things are going good, they're going good. When they're going bad, they're going bad. And, yeah. and what I mean by that is, In the two losses for North Carolina this year, they've given up 14 sacks and they've had six turnovers from the quarterback position alone, three interceptions and three fumbles. So if they're taking care of the football, if they're not, if they're keeping Sam Howe upright and protected, this team can probably play with a lot of teams in college football. But when they are getting blitzed, when they are having to keep picking their quarterback up off the ground, that means it's going to be a long day for them. So if you're Duke, hopefully you can kind of go out and and have a similar game plan but they lost a couple of outstanding defensive players, especially on that defensive front. Stormy, they lost them to the NFL, and it's hard to replace NFL-caliber type players. And so that's where the matchup will be, is if they can get any pressure, if Duke can get any pressure against this North Carolina offensive line, 
and confuse Sam Howell, they'll have a, a shot at winning this football game. All right, good to keep an eye on. Make sure you check out Kirk alongside Mike Morgan and Don Davenport on ESPN2 this Saturday at 12 Eastern Duke and UNC. And, and you talk about how it's hard to replace NFL talent. One school that never seems to have an issue with that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. They reload time and time again. The biggest college game of the weekend, number 14 Ole Miss at number one Alabama. We've got Heisman contender against Heisman contender. The spread on this one, 14 and a half Alabama is favored. This is another number that given what we've seen about Alabama, though, specifically in that game against Florida, I thought could be a vulnerable spot for the Tide. What are your thoughts? You know, I never look past the Tide when you're playing at home. Right. I okay. look at a team that is very comfortable in their own home stadium, you know, um, and then, you know, it's one of those things, too, where each week we 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 hope Alabama or we think Alabama or you, you're looking at Alabama and all of a sudden they show you that there's another gear that they can go on. And I'm a big Bryce Young fan. I you know, watched him here down in Southern California at modern day high school. And each week he's getting better and better. He's only making what now his fifth start in college mm -hmm. football, I believe. So. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's got a ton of experience. So I think that is some of the, I, I guess, the uh, anomaly about this game is that you don't know what you're going to get from the quarterback spot. And then you have the whole Lane Kiffin and, you know, his words this week <laughs> saying playing against Alabama is like playing against, you know, the NFL free agency because they just <laughs> pick guys to the portal. So, look, you're going to have that aspect of it. But I still think that in the, at the end of the day, I just don't know how good Ole Miss can be when Alabama is just that much better. They've really separated themselves, I think, in college football. And I, I don't know if this is a game that they'll, they'll slip up and lose to Ole Miss. All right, we shall see. The total in that one, 81 last year when these two teams played. The total went over 100. Hopefully we'll have some more defense this time around. I think we will. Now, in addition to your college football duties, you also cover the NFL. You cover the Rams very closely as part of their pre-post and halftime show on ESPN LA. And you said after the win over the Bucks the other day that the Rams are the best team in the NFL. Why? You tell me a better team. Okay. <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> I know I'm, just, I'm, I'm joking. I'm, I'm serious. It, it really is. Uh, I mean, who's a better team right now? I mean, they got one of the best quarterbacks. Matthew Stafford went from being the quarterback from, of a dismal Detroit Lions franchise, and we saw what happened to that franchise last week. Uh, in their loss to the Baltimore Ravens, but he's went from that franchise to now being in the conversation for the MVP mm -hmm. of the National Football League. Now I know it's just three games, but still, um, he's been in a he's in a situation where he's got an outstanding play caller in Sean McVay. He's got some dynamite wide receivers in Deshaun Jackson. Obviously, Cooper Cup, one of the league leaders in catches right now in the NFL. And then on the defensive side, he's got the best defensive player that we've seen this generation. And Aaron Donald, oh, and by the way, the best corner, or I don't even say corner, best defensive back in the NFL, in Jalen Ramsey. So I look at the weapons that they have. I look at their upcoming schedule. I have to think that they're the best team in the NFL right now. But look, they're undefeated, and you can't say that they haven't beaten anybody. They've beaten the defending champions. They beat Chicago in week one. And then they were on the road to beat the uh, Indianapolis Colts with a, healthy, with a healthy Carson Wentz. So I, I think that kind of puts them in that uh, – rare era of best team in the NFL Stafford plus 800 tied for second on the odds board for uh, NFL MVP they're hosting the Cardinals this weekend in a battle of the undefeateds in the NFC West LA favored by four and a half five total 55 what will this game come down to with the cards 
Well, they haven't beaten the Rams in the last, I believe, seven opportunities or eight. I forget. It's 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 been it's a long there. time since the Cardinals won. Yeah, it's up there. <laughs> it's been a long time since they won. But you know, for the Cardinals, really, honestly, they they, they they're going to need Kyler Murray to have to be special. Um, he's had a tough go against Jalen Ramsey, especially Aaron Donald, who's really chased him around the field. So they are going to need uh, uh, their best performance out of him because Jalen Ramsey versus DeAndre Hopkins, that's the matchup, right? We get a chance to see that one, you know, twice a year. So I really love watching that aspect of it. But they're going to need some explosive plays because the Rams are an explosive offense. They'll score. They have a lot of four-play, six-play, you know what I mean, the five-play drives that next thing you know, you're right back on the field as an offense and you're playing from behind. So can the Arizona Cardinals get those, you know, those quick strike plays? Can they get those, you know, short drives deep down the field, scoring touchdowns and not kicking threes? I think that's where really this game you know, boils down to who has the most, you know, big-time scores. Another game I was really interested in getting your kind of player perspective on was Tom Brady making his return to Foxborough, playing against his former team. I know for you it was different. You didn't spend 20 years with the same team, but you were a guy that grew up in Oakland, played for your hometown Raiders for a number of years, and then once you got traded to the Jags, you had to play your former team that season. So what kind of insight can you give us into Tom Brady's mind this week and what he's going to be going through? Is it is it kind of like that anger and motivation, or like will there be emotions? What perspective can you give us on that? Yeah, it's going to be emotional. It really is because as you're you're a competitor, um, I think after you're done playing in the NFL, you can sit back and kind of, you know, put some, uh, you know, some thoughts to the side a little bit, or you can bring them back out. It just depends on how you want to go about it. But I know when I was a, a current player in the league, you know, everybody was the enemy, and at the time, the Raiders were sort of like that enemy, you know, because, you know, they traded you away saying, hey, we don't want you anymore, and so you have that in the back of your mind, and we know Tom Brady, you know, they could have made things work in New England, they didn't, so it was kind of like they pushed him out to go to Tampa. Now, he won the Super Bowl, but all those memories of him playing there, the people he's been around, it is going to be, it's going to be fun, and it's going to be difficult for him right now, Stormy, just because he will have those emotions, and how does he keep it in check? Like, how does he keep it in line? So, I think the first quarter would be uh, interesting to watch, and then he'll settle in after that. Yeah, I was curious what your pulse is on the game itself because the spread in it is seven points right now. Bucks on the road, favored by a touchdown. Brady's got this all-time pass record that he's approaching, likely expected to pass in probably the first quarter. Um, but how will he settle in? Will Do you think that this is a group that can win by a lot, or will it be a tighter contested game? Well, I think it really depends on the opposite quarterback. You know, what kind of play are you going to get from Daniel Jones? I think that's the bigger question for me, just because I know what Tom Brady and his offense is going to present. I got a chance to see them last Sunday at SoFi, right, between Godwin and Mike Evans, the, the tight ends that they use from Cameron Bray to Obviously, Gronk and then O.J. Howard, they have weapons. And then they'll get Antonio Brown back, like you mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, so they, they've got the weapons to go out there and, and make it really, really explosive. But it comes down to what can Mac Jones do. If Mac Jones is able to put some points on the board, the, the, the Patriots got a chance. But if not, <laughs> we know Tom Brady trying to win this thing. Good stuff, Kurt. Yeah, you hope that Mac Jones isn't just caught in the middle collateral damage of this whole thing. Thanks so much for coming on, pal. I appreciate you. Hey, anytime. Have a, you have a great call this weekend. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Again, make sure you check out Kirk this weekend, Duke UNC on ESPN2. We'll be back with more My Guys in just a little bit.
listening to My Guys in the Desert with Stormy Bonantoni on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local team, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. The Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh city casts are all up and running. Five new episodes every single week. So make sure you subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts. As we welcome you back here to my guys in the desert at Circus Sports, I'm Stormy Bonantoni. Time for a little segment we're calling over it because there are seven teams in the NFL through the first three weeks of the season that have yet to hit an over. Who will it be? All right, here, here are some of my ideas. I was going through the list. Panthers at Dallas wasn't a huge fan. Panthers defense is just too good, allowing 10 points per game. I know that Dallas is, you know, kind of clicking on a different cylinder right now. I just don't see it. Steelers at Green Bay. I kind of like this one. I think the Packers can put up more than 30 now that Rodgers is finding a groove. Pittsburgh's defense has struggled against the big play, the chunk plays. And that's kind of been Green Bay's bread and butter, it seems, right now. So you just need the Steelers to get in the end zone twice. I, yeah, despite their woes with Big Ben, I think that's a gettable number to me. Jets, no. Saints, Giants, no. Broncos, Baltimore, 45. I like that number. I think Lamar Jackson will pose a, a big challenge for the Broncos defense. This is the first real challenge for the Broncos in general to start the year. 3-0 and against 0-9. But Denver's offense averaging about 25 points per game. Yeah, I can. I like that. I like that. Patriots in Tampa Bay, no matter how many people give me their opinion on this game, I still have zero read on the way this one's going to go. Is Belichick going to have Brady in check? Is Tom going to go off? I don't know. 49 seems a bit, a bit, uh, I like the, yep, let's do it. I like the over in that one. Chargers Raiders, if that was 50, I think I might go with it. 52 and a half. Not mm, not for me. Chargers, that's shocking to me, though, that the Chargers are one of those seven teams that hasn't hit in over yet. Yes, last year they were easy money betting on the Chargers. Happy to be joined now by Ben Brown, data and betting analyst for Pro Football Focus. Get a little bit more insight. Do any of those kind of tickle your fancy? You like any of those potential overs for the teams that haven't had any luck yet? I do. I am leaning a little bit toward the over on the Panthers Cowboys game. Really? Obviously, uh, if Dallas gets ahead early, like they did on Monday Night Football against the Eagles, I do think that game is going to go over. So, like you said, I do think it comes down to how you're evaluating uh, that Panthers defense here through the first three weeks. So, is that because do you think that the Panthers' level of competition that they've played so far just hasn't had the offensive firepower of a Dak Prescott and what they're doing with Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott? Or do you think could the Panthers' defense be for real? It's been a tough read for me. Yeah, I mean, they have applied pressure basically at the highest rate in the NFL, right? So they're obviously doing some things correctly. If they're successful doing that, Dak Prescott's passer rating drops 35 points from when he's clean to when he's under pressure. So if that happens, I do think we're going to see the under potentially hit. But, you know, if the if the Cowboys offense line handles some of those blitzes, handles that pressure, keeps it out of Dak Prescott's face, I do think we're going to see a similar uh, makeup to what we saw on Monday night. I do think that, you know, Cowboys offense is hitting on all cylinders. So I do think we're going to see a little bit of a C.D. Lamb showcase game and that game probably going over at this point in time with Sam Darnold uh, needing to keep pace with that Dallas Cowboys offense. I would love that with C.D. Lamb. He's on my fantasy team. I need him to go off. Their defense has looked much improved, too. Just kind of curious your take on the Cowboys as a whole i don't know if you heard gary jones's comment about micah parsons called him 
as pure as mother's milk. Uh, I'm not sure that's how I would describe anything ever, but... Uh, obviously, somebody that they're pretty high on as he's moved to that edge rusher spot in just a couple games. What do you think of the Cowboys' defense? Yeah, I mean, it has it was a really impressive performance from him specifically, right? Micah Parsons, obviously filling in for Demarcus Lawrence. I do think people thought, you know, they were going to take a step backward uh, with Demarcus Lawrence missing out. That kind of, you know, they looked pretty good uh, against the Chargers in Week Two, and I thought they looked really good against the Eagles in Week Three. So they've kind of been able to plug holes. Uh, pretty effectively to start the season. Hopefully that continues. If it does, I do think that the Cowboys are a legitimate contender in the NFC to potentially get that Super Bowl bid. I think they're, you know, kind of in line with the Buccaneers, with the Rams at this point in time. If that offense is, you know, back on all cylinders like it has looked through basically the first, you know, for in week one, in week three, week two, they did end up winning, playing from ahead against the Chargers. But I like I like the Dallas team in general. So I do think they're probably going to cover here against the Panthers um, on Sunday. Okay. And they're 14 to one now in the NFC odds as well. Uh, another team that have a lot of questions, question marks about in terms of the NFC. They were obviously projected to be very high. The Green Bay Packers I'm talking about here. Uh, they slipped a little bit after week one, not really knowing what was going on with the Aaron Rodgers situation. And now they're coming to form. They've got the Steelers this week. And I pushed the panic button on the Steelers. I, we were very impressed, everyone, with their performance week one against the Bills. And now I think they're kind of reverting to the mean of what we all anticipated them to be. What do you think of this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Big Ben looks, it's just not good at this point, right? 29th in PFF passing grade. Uh, the one quarterback below him, Zach Wilson, I think that sort of signals the company that ben, Big Ben's keeping at this point in time. So I'm not buying into the Pittsburgh Steelers whatsoever. I think Big Ben's got to be thankful that this game is happening in October and not December in Lambeau Field. But um, it is interesting that the spread has basically moved off of the touchdown differential down a half point to 6.5, even though all indications are that everybody's basically on the cash and ticket percentages. So that's the one spot that kind of makes me pause at this point in time. But I've been fading the Steelers for two years now. I'm not going to slow down at this point in time, kind of when, you know, the blood is in the water, however the saying goes at this point. So I definitely like the Packers here uh, to win on Sunday. Well, then that must have been a little rough for you last year when they were 11 and 0 to start the it, year. <laughs> it, it was a little rough at points, but then, you know, and I don't know if you how much you followed it. But there was some things with like the PFF forecast guys. We got George Tahiri kind of got called out by Bud Dupree last year when we were kind of saying they were the most overrated team in the NFL when they were on that 11 game winning streak. But uh, things like you said, they kind of regressed to the mean last year. I just don't buy into Big Ben being, you know, an effective or efficient quarterback at this point in time, especially when Najee Harris is getting 19 targets like he did last last week, checking down on fourth and 10 when they absolutely need to get into the end zone. So I don't really buy into it. I do think Aaron Rodgers is still, you know, top three quarterback in the NFL. So I do think they're going to handle business here on Sunday. Well, and you ended up being correct, as you mentioned, at the end of the year, they did fall off. And Mike Greenberg made an interesting comment, said watching the game the other day, felt like you were watching an end to something with Big Ben. It's it's not yeah. uh, the Big Ben of old. It's just Big Ben is is old at this point, which is a, a little <laughs> bit sad. It is. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll move on. We'll move away from the tree of Big Ben. Uh, Thursday night football coming up soon. Jags, Bengals. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those whatever type of matchups, but in prime time, so all eyes will be on it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it is NFL football, right? So I'm definitely going to take it at this point in time. Last two number one overall picks. So from that perspective, I think it's really intriguing. Trevor Lawrence has basically been our worst starting quarterback from a PFF grading perspective to start the year. And Joe Burrow's kind of been the exact opposite, right? Last week, uh, he had the best 
uh, passing grade in the NFL looked really good against, you know, that Steelers defense sans TJ Watt. So I do think, you know, the market direction has basically been this spread was at minus two and a half in the preseason has moved all the way out to seven and a half. Uh, that's a pretty significant move crossing both three and seven. I don't know if you necessarily want to buy into Cincinnati at the top at this point in time, but I do think there are, you know, some viable player props where you could probably play, you know, the Bengals side if you do think that they're going to probably take care of business here that are probably a little bit um, easier to win than that seven and a half point spread at this point. Would like your perspective on some more of those rookie quarterbacks because Trevor Lawrence to the lowest grade. Obviously, Zach Wilson has had a, a lot of struggles to start the year with the Jets. We saw what happened with Justin Fields last week. One net passing yard, sacked nine times. Uh, Mac Jones, three interceptions last week. It's been uphill sledding for those five young quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point in time, Trey Lance has to be the best one just sitting on the sidelines watching Jimmy Garoppolo getting, <laughs> you know, one or two goal line packages so at this point in time. That, you know, that's, I mean, he's at least been productive in those goal line packages, scored, you know, that touchdown last week. So, um, I don't know. I, it was, it's really hard for me at this point in time because I was pretty high on all five quarterbacks. I think if you asked me in the preseason, uh, you know, what one of these guys you thought could potentially bust, I would have had a really hard time figuring out which one because I did think they would probably be all successful in their own way in the NFL. Obviously, that isn't happening at this point in time, but I do expect, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, uh, both to turn it around at some point. I do put some of the blame on Justin Fields' performance on Matt Nagy last week. He did have, you know, Matt Nagy's basically been the worst player call in the play caller in the NFL through three weeks. So I, he's not doing Justin Fields any favor. Obviously the NFL game is different than college, but the, these guys need some help, you know, to kind of get on and find their way here in the NFL. So I think a lot of it is that they just really haven't been getting that help. I do think that, you know, if they get an offensive minded coordinator in there, it's obviously going to help some matters in that regard, but I expect some of them to turn it around. I do think Mac Jones probably has uh, the highest floor and lowest ceiling at this point in time. I think that's, uh, you know, only been reflective in his performance. So we'll see what happens, you know, when the lights shine brightest here in Foxborough on Sunday night. Yeah, he still does have the shortest odds there for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, because you mentioned Trey Lance, uh, my 49ers, they're taking on the Seahawks this week. Uh, Seahawks have been a little tough to watch in the second half. Meanwhile, 49ers, a little bit of slow starting. Uh, we've got about a little bit of time here. So if we can be quick, just your thoughts on this matchup. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I do think the Seahawks are probably uh, the play. I do, you know, I think they looked bad in the second half last week. They keep pace with the Vikings. They just can't stop anybody offensively. I do think with, you know, 49ers rushing attack, that plays into a little bit of the Seahawks strength. So um, I think from that perspective, I do think uh, the Seahawks are probably the play at plus three at this point. Everybody, I also like the under 52, I think. Everybody wants to bet against my guys. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate you. Yep. Thank you. Have a good show. <laughs> Thank you so much. Back here on the other side, my guys talking MLB. Stay with us. You're listening to My Guys in the Desert with Stormy Bonantoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. Remember, everybody, download the free OddsTrader.com app to compare betting odds from licensed sports books, access injury reports, in-game action, and much more when you go to OddsTrader.com. Welcome back to the Circus Sportsbook. Stormy Bon and Tony here on My Guys in the Desert. Time for like, love, hate, because it is chaos season in the MLB. Let's just call it Major League Madness, okay? So I'm going to categorize some Major League Baseball teams that are still in the hunt right now based on their chances, I think, to win the World Series. Like 
the Dodgers are alike, okay? I know everybody loves them. Everybody wants them to win. They're plus 350 favorites. They're, they're okay. I also like the Rays. I like the Braves at 13 to 1. Cardinals 22 to 1. I told you off the top, they, they've been creeping from 200 to 1 earlier this month. Love. You all know I spent my entire bankroll on the Giants at 10 to 1. They're 8 to 1 now to win it all. Astros plus 450. Yankees 12 to 1. Like them as well. The Brew Crew, too. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Here's my hate. I got, I'm, I got some haters, including my producer, Stephanie, who thinks that I'm a hater because I have the, the Red Sox down there, 28 to 1. White Sox as well. I just don't like socks. Blue Jays, Phillies, Mariners, and the Oakland A's. 800 to 1 for a reason, folks. Just saying. That's my like, love, hate. So now we're going to find out where I am just brutally wrong as we welcome in Josh Towers, our closer on the program. Uh, see, what I, see what I did there? Uh, yeah. Major League pitcher Josh Towers here with us. All right, where am I wrong? Steph, can you put that back up, please? Can I see that thing again? So that he can yell at me. Yeah, <laughs> it was the love section. Is this, uh, you love the chances or you just love the teams? A combination. Let's cut them all out. Can we get oh, all of them? Oh, no, all of them? Yeah. So who's your love? Not even the Gigantes. Look what they have done this year. You're not well, impressed, that was, that, was, that was my question because I would love to see them actually win. Yes. But do I think they're going to win? Like, am I in love with 8-1? to one? No, I don't think so. Really? I think the Rays and the Dodgers again. I think a repeat's probably probable, just based on how they're like the, how Tampa plays, and then what the Dodgers have. Like they're just loaded. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. But uh, some of these other teams, like again, the Brewers cross them off. Sorry, Ben. Uh, a couple of these <laughs> other teams are out, and then that whole right side, like the Phillies yeah. and Jays, kind of lost their chances. I think yesterday, in my opinion, mm-hmm. it would be cool to see the Mariners at this point. I thought they'd be gone, but it would be cool to see them actually get in and have an opportunity. I think the White Sox. Played, I, I like your hate on them. I think they, they played themselves out of they're trying to get everybody ready right now, and I think the last week is too late to do that. I think they had that opportunity two, three weeks ago. Like I need like three or four starts for me as a starter to, to find that trust factor. I don't okay. think they gave those kids enough time. So my thing with as far as the Dodgers goes, okay, yeah, so who do you think is going to win the West, first of all? I think the Giants will win the West, okay. and, and, and which bodes well for the Dodgers because the Giants don't want that one game playing. But the well, Dodgers have anybody. So I don't think the Dodgers do either if Why? the Cardinals are so hot right now. 17-game win streak. They're coming in at the right time. And this is also another I, question. I hear you. This is another question I, I have for you. you, okay? I hate that it's a one game. Do you yes, think that yes. it'll ever become a three game? Because I think for as much as I dislike the Dodgers as a human being, I do not like the Dodgers. I'm not a That's fan. Fair. That's not the only reason that they're not in my love column. But... <laughs> But I think that it's a crying shame that a team like that, if they were to lose against the Cardinals, is done in one game. Because in baseball, I really don't think a single game is reflective of where a team is at. It's not. When we put in 162, and then it used to be 45 days of spring training, so more now. But when you put in that much time to have one game, like, it's not. I, I, I don't like what, like, other leagues do where, like, half the league makes the, the playoffs. I don't think that. You have to earn this. But I do appreciate our 162-game season and all the work that goes in to get to this point. Like, it's earned when you make the postseason with, the, with, the, with Major League Baseball. It's very earned. And so I don't want to see it overly too structured. But, again, Max Scherzer pitches today. He's right on pace. That's going to give him actually seven days, I think, maybe six days. Um, Gonsolin pitches tomorrow, which means they're pushing a starter back. So then whoever pitches after him is also in position. They have, like, they're so loaded, and they have anybody. I mean, again, you have, like, Walker through, and Urias is going to throw. So those guys are probably out on that game. But – it's like what they're doing today with uh, the Yankees. They have Cole throwing today. He, that, he's right on line for, for Monday's game. It puts them perfectly on line in rotation where it doesn't mess with anything. And so they've been, the Yankees have been doing that. Other teams have been doing that. The Dodgers have that opportunity. The Giants don't have that. I mean, we can pitch Gosman. We can pitch any one of them. But they don't have that, that pedigree, that 
It's too much pressure. And I think the same thing with the Cardinals. Like, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I wouldn't put my money on the Cardinals today. I think okay. the, the, you saw the, like, the, the smiles on their face yesterday when they clinched. I mean, 17 in a row, I'm going to smile. It's awesome. It's earned. You saw the manager. He looked like, uh, oh, my God. Like, that was his reaction. <laughs> like, everybody was like, cool, we did it. I can see them all taking a break. Probably had some drinks last night. Okay. I'm out on the Cardinals. I, I appreciate, like, in the NFL – when you win, win, win to get in, you're the hottest team coming into the postseason. That's very dangerous. But they also clinch six days before the season's over, and it gives them time to kind of kick it. I don't know. I don't okay. Know. Well, another team that seems to be, like, rising to the occasion at the okay. end of the season is the Yankees, as you mentioned. They're Again, on a seven-game yeah. win streak, outscoring teams 44-18 to 18 in that time. Giancarlo Stanton is like a man possessed right now. What do you think about their, their chances in terms of the, the greater landscape? I think that I can run my mouth because I don't play anymore. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Listen, in order to be successful consistently, you need to pitch down in the zone. You don't pitch down in the zone, John Carl Stanton. Like, he's the strongest human being I've ever seen. I, why don't you just, just throw belt-high fastballs, sliders right by him, and why are we even, like, how is he even hitting the ball? That's what I don't understand. That'll all change in the postseason to me as well. Like, Judge is going to have to stay hot. LeMayhew's going to have to pick up the slack a little bit, I think, offensively. Um... I think once the postseason starts for the New York Yankees, let's say they win that first game, okay? Let's say they win it. Um, I think they're in trouble. I don't think they have what it takes. I think when you start to face teams one, two, and three, and you're going to face the best relievers consistently, I think the Yankees get shut out. I think their, their, their offensive numbers go straight down, and unless Cole and the boys can throw shutouts, I don't think that they have a chance. Okay. All right. My opinion. Strong. This is fighting words. <laughs> um, if the playoffs did open up today, the Yankees yes. would play – the Red Sox in the AL wild card game. Do, yeah. do they win? Do they win that? Yeah, if Garrett Cole's on the yeah. mound versus Nathan Eovaldi, who looks like he's lined up for it too, if they make it. Um, I think Garrett Cole shoves. I know he doesn't pitch well versus Boston traditionally, so he, they do have that on their side. But, I, I mean, listen, you paid them all that money for a reason, kind of like what we saw yesterday uh, in baseball. We're paying these guys to win. Garrett Cole does step up, and he had a game recently where he needed to step up, and he did his job. Um that's what he's built for. I don't think Evaldi is, and I don't think that as good as the coaching staff is for Boston, I love these dudes, I don't think the depth, I don't think they have that. Um, so I think the Yankees do beat Boston if, sorry, Steph, if Boston's in. Ah, uh, rough, rough, <laughs> rough life, Steph. Sorry. Um, no, <laughs> I want to go back to one of the teams that was on my little hate section, the there. Mariners that Where's we talked at? about. Yes, um, my boys. Yes, so, I mean, the longest drought in any of the four major sports to get to the playoffs since 2001. They made things a little bit interesting. Can you, can you expand? Give me your feelings. Well, first off, that 2001 team was ridiculous. Uh, I had to face them. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, I remember, uh, yeah, I remember tracking out Edgar Martinez after I threw one at his head, and he struck out looking and kind of just stared me down the whole way, and then the next at bat, he hit one out of the stadium. That team was the greatest thing I've ever seen, uh, and then they've never done anything since. Like They haven't replenished. They had certain players, but nothing. I'm shocked. I, I was talking about this back there with Brett. It, listen, the, the manager and the GM, DePoto, they haven't done anything. They didn't do anything in Anaheim. They kind of ruined that organization a little bit. They came over here, didn't do anything, and then all of a sudden, this team's winning. This tells me a lot about the players internally and the collective, like, the, 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 I remember asking Shane Victorino, when did you know you were going to win the World Series? He said, I knew in July. Like, I knew in August the Yankees would win the World Series in 09. You can just tell. I think this team has something like that where it's a belief system in themselves that we don't get to measure through stats or anything else. It's really important, and... I talked about Chris Flex, and I had him with the Mets when he was first drafted, and his travels around this world to get to where he's at today. Like, you can't, you can't duplicate that anywhere. And Paul Seawall, the Vegas kid, what he's went through, same thing with the Mets at the time. 
Uh, Yusei Kikuchi coming over here having to make this decision on where he wanted to go, settled in Seattle, took his lumps. Uh, all of those things are huge to that team internally. You have, obviously, Ichiro on the bench. You have great players like that who are around in 01 on that winning team mm -hmm. who can sprinkle a little bit of knowledge on. But then you had guys backing it up, and it was like every day somebody else is doing a good job. So now I kind of root for this team because I got friends, but it's kind of cool to see. What do they do? They all hit like 200, right? Yeah. And then we're like, ah, I, I, listen, I, that's probably what makes them so dangerous. It's because you don't like... I can sit here and face the Yankees lineup or Boston's lineup, and I know who I'm not going to mess with and who I'm going to mess with. When I see Seattle's lineup, I just go, oh, I'm good with all of them. No worries. And I just throw right by them, and then I get turned around, and I don't know who to pick the outs with, and then I'm in trouble as a mm -hmm. pitcher. I think that's where Seattle's strengths are. And plus you have one of those, like, other teams might want it right now, but they're a team that needs it, right? Because it, it has been so long. They have a need. Um, just last thing, because we're running out of yes. time here. Games today people should keep an eye on. Obviously, there's a lot going on. There's, I mean, I mean, implications are on the line everywhere, I feel like. Uh, there is. Uh, again, uh, Red Sox, don't take the Orioles lightly. We talked about this yesterday. That's dangerous because the Orioles have nothing to play for at this point, and it's a relaxing state for a lot of us. The pressure that the Phillies face, I feel like Blue Jays and Phillies is losing yesterday kind of ended their season, in my opinion. I just poor, thought, poor Blue Jays. Yeah, poor Blue Jays. Uh, listen, the run was amazing. I didn't think that they would get this far. So uh, Garrett Cole's going to be tough. Again, he's setting himself up to pitch on that that day on monday right mm -hmm. so he's gonna be ready to go um it's tough again the the, the games i pay attention to the most is again is the braves like charlie morton okay. did his thing but it, it's the, the, the phillies still have us like if you win the next two and then you all these teams have great series at the end of the year yeah except for the yankees they gotta face the Rays, right so i'm sad we didn't get into the Braves. so next time it's we have right. to have you on again because I, I do want to talk braves at some point josh towers Absolutely. thank you so much yeah, appreciate you. the time that's going to do it for my guys in the desert. Stay locked on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Danny Burke coming up next.